what is this? What is this? This is Gray Area. It's a podcast from WFMU and the Free Music Archive. My name is Jason Siegel, and my guest today is Paul Booten, who writes for uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, MIT Technology Review, and his latest Wired Magazine essay is titled The Age of Music Piracy is Officially Over. So we'll talk about that. But first, here's some free music that wants to be shared. This is GDFX.
listening to uh, music composed on a trio of 68k Macintosh computers. If you're listening online, you can check out the image, check out a little little article with some background about this uh, album titled Experimental Apple. And I don't know if my favorite part about this is that it was all sequenced using HyperCard, which uh, I was pretty obsessed with back in the day. Or if if the if it's the music itself, which is pretty damn good. We heard some beat by Mac 68K. Before that, new stuff from Learning Music. on a new cassette on community pool tapes that I just got in the mail, along with a Vosotros t-shirt that I've been, I think, wearing for the past three days in a row, because it's it's the winter season when you can do that. Uh, So learning music with the song Larger, featuring Andrew Aged, and that's off of learning music 3.8 download that track from the Free Music Archive. Pretty awesome track. And uh, we heard from GDFX before that with an excerpt from his Altered Ego. It's like a half an hour long continuous mix for the Tension deficient beats keep changing up. Recorded in 2008 by Greg Fox, who's also the drummer of Liturgy, drums with the Dan Dan Deacon Ensemble. Uh, it's played live on this radio show as GDFX. And he runs the Infinite Limbs label. Who released this on a DVD-sized CD. It's also, I guess, available on a cassette, though it might be sold out. A cassette from Little Fury Things. Now we're going to get into a conversation with Paul Putin, who, uh, He writes about social networks and digital media for the New York Times, reviews books for the Wall Street Journal. Um, Also writes for uh, the MIT Technology Review, which is kind of similar to to his writing for Wired Magazine. And we're going to be talking specifically about his Wired Magazine essay that declared the age of stealing music via the internet to be officially over so let's get into that conversation now and i'll be back in just a little bit with a lot more music for you
Well, Paul Booten, thank you very much for joining me. And uh, you have this fascinating article uh, for Wired Magazine titled The Age of Stealing Music Via the Internet is Officially Over. And uh, I, I guess what you're saying isn't, isn't necessarily that piracy itself has ended, but more that the old justifications no longer apply, that, that we won. Um, so it, can, can you explain a little bit, um, just for maybe people who aren't familiar with the article, Sure. By the way, the title in the magazine was No More Free, Freebird. And um, the premise is this. About 10 years ago, when um, Napster really turned uh, online music upside down, there were a lot of reasons uh, that people used it that um, were really because of shortcomings in being able to just buy music online. And uh, I addressed three of them in the essay. Um, the first was that um, there wasn't a lot of music available to buy online back then. And the second was that uh, a lot of what was available was in um, reduced audio formats. It didn't sound very good. And the third was that um, copyright owners were offering music for sale that was wrapped in digital rights management software, DRM as people call it, which often rendered the song unplayable, uh, even in places where it was supposed to play. So for a lot of people, they just gave up and they went straight to at first Napster and then later on places like uh, LimeWire, BitTorrent. What I found uh, in the, a few months ago was that a lot of people I know who are pretty technically savvy, they read Wired, they uh, may work in Silicon Valley, uh, hadn't noticed that over the past years that the um, both the record companies and the major online retailers, that's iTunes, Amazon, Walmart.com, had removed uh, these three major roadblocks. Uh, most of the music that people are actively trying to get these days is actually available for purchase in a high bandwidth, you know, high quality, DRM-free, very easy to download format. That is, in fact, easier than uh, getting an off BitTorrent. So my point to, to, to my readers was, you know, while you weren't paying attention, uh, all your favorite excuses for not paying for your music have gone away. And then the, the, the last one is that a lot of people say, well, you know, music should be free and the artist should make their money off merch. Uh, come on, it's a dollar. It's one dollar. What do you pay for popcorn at the movies? You know, what do you pay to add bacon to your burger? And so I felt that this was a disingenuous argument from a lot of people that uh, people I know and think highly of nonetheless had a lot of uh, real baloney arguments about, well, doing the artists a favor by not buying into the record company's system, you know, and, you know, I, I don't see anybody going out and figure out an excuse not to pay for an overpriced smartphone, you know, but yet the, they've got more excuses not to pay 99 cents for a music track to listen to on it. So there you go. There's well, the, 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 that, that was longer than my essay, actually. <laughs> Well, I mean, there, there are a lot of really good points, and, and yeah, a lot of people don't realize, like, DRM's kind of this 
this concept that's been thrown out the window and also put these restrictions, you know, it didn't, it didn't take into account whether you were making a copy for something that could be considered a fair use or, or anything like that. It was just, you can make, you know, three copies and that's it. And then, uh, yeah, audio quality's certainly gone up and availability, it's, uh, I don't think that anybody could have imagined owning however many songs you can fit on a 120 gig iPod back in, you know, a, a decade ago. But but at the same time, I, I think it's created this kind of insatiable appetite for music. You know, how much how much would it cost to pay for every to pay a dollar for every song on one of those 120 gig iPods? If someone wrote in an estimated forty thousand dollars mm-hmm. to fill uh, one of the bigger iPods, and and you're right. I mean that now that the capacity is there for a lot of people, there's that um, that draw to download music. In fact, more music than they probably will listen to. Yeah. I mean, I have, I realized at some point I had 8,000 tracks on my Mac, and I realized I hadn't listened to most of them in a long time. But it was important just that I could get them. Yeah. So so kind of at the same time, this isn't something that you addressed as much in your article, but uh, also there, this year seems to me like it's been a kind of pivotal year as far as the law, the hand of the law coming down against, against uh, so-called piracy, against the Pirate Bay. Uh, their appeal was, or their second appeal was overturned. The LimeWire kind of finding this ongoing battle with the RIAA, saying that that their software um, was not being used exclusively for piracy. Um, they lost that case, and uh, there was earlier this year a bunch of music blogs basically being deleted for. Uh, the music blogs had, for the most part, been left alone, and and there was a this music blog aside. It seems like the RAAA and the, the IFPI are kind of ramping up the war against piracy this year. What do you make of all these goings on in, in 2010? You pretty much just summed it up. Uh, I did just now read the, um, I'm going to get the terminology wrong, but uh, this is yeah, the injunction okay. against LimeWire. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it's pretty heavy-handed. I mean, the, the judge was point after point saying, you know, we found that, LimeWire software is used overwhelmingly for copyright infringement. That LimeWire is not only aware of this, but actually markets this as a feature that the people that they market to are known uh, demographics of high infringement, such as former Napster users. Uh, You know, basically saying there's no way that LimeWire can claim that the copyright infringement wasn't pretty much the whole reason they were in business. And, uh, you know, with Pirate Bay, likewise, they really don't have a credible defense to say, you know, to say that there's any reason we exist other than for people to get things without paying for them. On the other hand, there are a lot of the court cases that uh, particularly the RIAA pursues where you kind of wonder um, who their PR people are. Oh, so so many I mean, examples. The- I mean, music blogs, for a good example, I mean, how much actual piracy is coming through those? Yeah. Uh, and and um, likewise, the people who, uh, there's that lady who's been fined a multi-million dollar fee for, for a handful of songs by assessing the maximum possible amount for each track. And it seems like what the, the record industry is trying to do is scare people. And uh, I don't know if that's working because most people I talk to about it it just seems to make them angry, but it doesn't. They don't seem to say, "Well, I'm afraid to to go use the internet now." 
Uh, th- another thing, when, when I was researching this, this essay, was that I talked to a lot of musicians, and I asked them how they felt about online music and about piracy and so forth. And mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the case of, of music blogs, you know, of, of, most artists uh, seem to feel that uh, there's a certain amount of music you want to give away for, you know, for its promotional value. Just as back in the old days, you know, uh, if you went to used record stores, you'd find all these vinyl albums that were stamped, you know, promotional copy, uh, and then someone had sold it, which was, you know, in theory illegal. Right. And uh, now uh, you talk to a band like Chester French, for example, and they said that you know, giving away music is the absolute best marketing for the band, and does actually lead to people buying the music. And you just need to figure out what you're going to give away and what you're going to sell. That's the the, the, the freemium model, it's being called. A uh, combination of free plus premium. You know, Wired editor Chris Anderson has a whole book about it mm-hmm. called Free, where he says that this is becoming for just about anything that can be distributed digitally uh, is the likely sales model. Yeah, I mean, with the free music archive that we do here out, out of WFMU, it's something that we just see kind of again and again. It's like it's like kind of a radio single for the internet era. It, and if you don't have an MP3 that's out there circulating the blogs, it's like people don't know that your album is out, and they, they don't know what it sounds like. And and there's so much music out there that um, it's, it's kind of like it, you need to you need to be part of that world, otherwise you're off, off the radar. And there are also a lot of people who who feel that, you know, this this word piracy, as it as it applies to digital music, copying, doesn't really make that much sense. I, I was watching a video by a, a musician, Charlie McDonnell, where he he says, well, you know, it's not like you're it's not like you're stealing a Mars bar from the, from the store that can't be replaced, but you're you're making a copy of it. So there's two Mars bars. What do you think about those those kind of distinctions? If you know where. Where should where should we as as music listeners draw the line? What kind of copying is justifiable, and what, what when should we, you know, go the what is now the easier route and pay for music? Well, yeah, of course I'm aware that making a digital copy doesn't remove the original, but the action people are actually performing is taking something that's been offered for sale and finding a way not to pay for it, and so. Uh, you know, I, I hear this argument a lot from people as if somehow it's going to be some, you know, some, some eye-opening concept that I've never thought of. And my response is, oh, you know, I fucked your girlfriend, but hey, I left the original. So it's not theft, you know. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> and in fact, it's great marketing. So um, I, I really feel that um, a, a lot of times that argument is disingenuous because uh Yes, it's true that you you know you haven't removed the original version of the song. On the other hand, what you did was uh, get that song without compensating the people who uh, wrote it, recorded it, produced it, marketed it to you. And and do not underestimate the value of marketing in getting music into your hands. guest is Paul Booten, who writes for the New York Times, MIT Technology Review, the Wall Street Journal, and we're talking about his Wired Magazine article, The Age of Music Piracy is Officially Over. 
he said it with a with a that was that was the headline of, of the online version um I'm saying it maybe with a bit of a question mark a lot of people right now are talking about music in the cloud and this idea that uh at some point in the near future we'll have some sort of service like Spotify we pay a subscription fee and there are already already services like that they just don't quite uh, have the the catalog to compete I guess um, with, with, with other options but uh, do you think that at some point in the near future all these mp3s that we bought are going to be kind of useless anyway because a new format's going to come along or a new a new cloud streaming service is going to come along um no, I don't, because I think um, Steve Jobs is right that a lot of people want to own their music, that they want to have um, some object, even if it's a bunch of bits on a, on a disc or on a flash drive these days. Um, that is their copy that is in their possession. And yes, it's true. I mean, you were talk, talking earlier about um, the, the capacity of these devices and how much it would cost to fill one. And, um, yeah, you know, when you've got that much music, how much you're going to listen to a lot of it. And I think that that's a real opportunity for a lot of people is some sort of subscription service. I use um, GrooveShark uh, quite a bit. Uh, they've um, set up deals with copyright owners that even though what you're doing is actually downloading peer-to-peer copies from other uploaded by other people, um, you know, I, sh- I should have talked to them right before this to find out what their, what their compensation model for the for the artist is. But they will basically you can stream it for free or you can buy a download. Um, sure enough, um, the audio quality is iffy. Some of these uh, are fairly amateurish rips, uh, but most of the time it's it's fine. And I think that uh, for people who are interested in exploring new music a lot of the time, and yet when you go back and look at it you realize that you don't listen to most of the tracks uh, that you've got very often. Um, that something like this, you know, for somebody who wants to have a, a multi-thousand track collection, well, what if you just had a subscription so that you could play whatever you wanted? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, these days, internet connections, even on phones, are, get, are getting better to the point where you, know, you, could, you can play Pandora over your phone and... Uh, for a lot of people, for a lot of the time, that works pretty well. You know, one, one thing you haven't touched on, so I'm, I'm just going to bring this in, is that, uh, in fact, most of uh, the email I've gotten uh, in response to the article is that a lot of people really have uh, a grudge against record companies for one or more reasons. And um, it can be anything from... Um, I, you know, you know, resenting them for suing people to yeah, for, for suing that uh, that seven-year-old girl, hundreds of thousands right. of or whatever for downloading seven songs off Kazaa. <laughs> exactly, uh, or or for for uh, you know for their, for for their ongoing, um, just not very artist-friendly ways of doing business and and, and money grubbing this, which has been documented in one song after another by artists over the over the years, and. I think that's, that's um, again, um, you know, I don't always like my cab driver or my dry cleaner. Does that mean I don't pay them? And that's 
I think that's something people should at least uh, ask themselves and be upfront about it because it's a very it's a very glib, easy you know excuse to make as well. I'll never give the record company a dime again. And uh, well, how about if you don't listen to the music yet? You know, because that would be the fair trade. Right. I mean, if they're making music that you like, I I I can I can understand that for some of the major labels that sure, surely have good people working for them, but uh, in some cases maybe has has what whether it's a homogenizing effect on music. You know, we we hear so many stories about bands that have kind of been chewed up and spit out by the the old major label system, but that that system isn't isn't around as much anymore and and independent labels are on the rise and they they do need our support so yeah for me for me it's always just an interesting question of you know wh- where do people draw the line between what they're giving out for free and and what they expect people to pay for and and where do where do we draw the line in terms of piracy and just kind of sharing music with each other which is something that's that's always existed but it's kind of amplified online Paul do you have uh any predictions for for 2011, where where things are heading? Whether sure, it's... I, I think that despite uh, the the continued efforts of the RAAA, I think that music online is only going to become more prolific. I think people will be only downloading more of it. Uh, there was one guy at some conference last year who said something that really stuck in my head, which was that um, you know by now we in the record industry, it's been 10 years since Napster. And whatever we didn't understand 10 years ago, whatever we were in denial about 10 years ago, whatever we hoped would go away, nowadays, we're pretty well aware of how things actually work online. And uh, what he said was, what we're trying to do is find the business model for the 5% of downloads out there for which someone's willing to pay. Is is that the percentage, 5%? No, he made that up, but... um, (laughs) Um, well, I bet they'd love to get to 5%. <laughs> that seems kind of high, doesn't it? Yeah. The reason that record companies were so happy to sell their music in the iTunes store when it first launched was that they got to keep the same royalty payment for the artist. So at the end, the artist gets their 15 cents on the dollar. They get their 9 cent per track um, mechanical royalty, it's called, if they wrote the song and have their own publishing company for it. And then of all the money that's left, the record company didn't have to pay a CD manufacturer, didn't have to pay Tower Records, didn't have to pay anybody to truck discs around, and they just kept all that and gave the editor, oh, here's your 15%. We're keeping all the rest. We're not giving you a cut of it. Hmm. So some musicians, I know, when, when the store came out, said, no, you know, like, I'm not going to... They, they felt it was morally wrong. They felt that they were being exploited. And... Uh, over time, a lot of them have just sort of thrown up their hands in exasperation and said, well, you know, I guess uh, 20 cents of, uh, out of a dollar is better than nothing. Um, and there is one more thing um, that that may change things in 2011. That's a recent decision um, where Eminem um, sued Universal mm-hmm. and said specifically, um, and, and, and so far the, the decision has gone in his favor, that... Um, music sold for download um, is licensed, uh, it's not retail. And therefore, uh, licensing royalties apply instead. And to really simplify this, uh, that means that instead of 
um, that Eminem will get 50%. So what may happen, and you know, if you're looking for a prediction, what may happen is going forward that uh, the artist may get more like 40 cents out of the dollar instead of 20. And uh, there's a lot of legalese involved. I've had some lawyers write me and say it's, you know, it's complicated. Uh, I, I should be careful about making that claim. But if you, you know, if you, you step back, part of the thing that's going on is that, um, as I said, there's money in the payment system that used to go to all these middlemen because we had all this physical music distribu- manufacturing and distribution process. And now it's, you know, you're making files that go on a bunch of servers. Down. There's a lot of those costs. Are, they're not completely gone, but they're sure, they sure are a lot less than they used to be. Yeah, which it, it's, it's another point that you brought up in your article, actually, that, you know, maybe a dollar, at least for certain services, songs are being sold for less than a dollar. And uh, mm-hmm. combining that with, with some songs that are available for free is... Uh, there's a lot of kind of negotiations taking place right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is where this is where you know people's distrust of record companies, I, th- I think, is right because obviously um, the the cost of of selling you a song has gone down, and you know the artist is, uh, as I said, is she, you in theory would get a larger cut because. Most of the overhead now is the creative process uh, and the production process, and then marketing. And um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping this this MM thing, this decision, plays out so that the musicians actually get um, you know what could be forty cents out of a dollar as opposed to nineteen, because I think a lot of people would feel better about paying for music, whether it's a subscription or they're paying for downloads, if they felt like they weren't giving you know, 85 cents to Amazon, Apple, and Universal, and 15 cents to the band. Right. I, I meant to ask, what is the name of your band? Oh, I was I played in a whole bunch of bands back in the 80s. No, I, I googled uh, the name on like all music, and I found somebody who'd produced like a lot of... Uh, a lot of big, oh well, big uh, well. Let me jump in right there. <laughs> what you've probably found is audio engineer Paul Paul Boutin, who is oh. French from France. Okay. And is I, I amazingly now I live about a mile from the guy <laughs> uh, down here in L.A. He's in Culver City at Babyface the studio. I forget what it's called right now, right, but he has engineered over a hundred hit albums. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So I played in a bunch of garage bands in Boston. I played uh, out here uh, in San Francisco uh, in the 90s. Um, I played uh, in a bunch of coffee houses, and I played with a singer named Drew Pierce. So if you were looking for me for an actual recording, if you go to Drew Pierce, D-R-E-W-P-A-P-E-A-R-C-E.com, uh, he has some links somewhere, like occasionally he'll post a track that I played guitar on in 2002. So, so Drew Pierce is posting free MP3s? How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm fine with it. See, this, this, I think that's the thing, is that why, why did Chris Anderson like having me do this essay? Because, uh, you know, I, we do know authors who are enraged that anyone should ever not pay for their book, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, it's like, 
No, I, I, you know, I'm fine with giving things away. What I, I don't like is when people are saying they're not paying for something for one reason, and they're really not paying it for another. And that's what that's what we were felt we were addressing. Well, I, I think I think this is going to make a lot of people kind of reevaluate the the and the man thing that they've been exactly. <laughs> Paul Booten, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really interesting conversation, and and uh, anybody who's interested in reading your writing, they can. There are good links, I think, from your Wikipedia page. Paulbooten.tumblr.com. You can find everything I published. I link there. Great. Well, Paul, thank you, and let's. Uh, we'll end the the formality here. And uh, let's get into some more music with this band, Single Bullet Theory, a band that was burned by the music industry back in the 80s but made some really incredible music and uh, we're now sharing a collection of it single bullet theory 77 to 80 on the free music archive here's rockers night out
Listening to Talks Cheap here on WFMU, playing music from the Free Music Archive. It's not piracy because this is music that artists and labels want to share. Uh, we heard most recently there from Greg Davis out of Vermont. From his 8-bit EP. Greg Davis, who's a frequent collaborator, folks like Bird Show, Lucky Dragons. And this uh, track, Flurries, was on Cameron Parkins of Creative Commons, the Creative Commons organization, actually, on his favorite music that was added to the Free Music Archive in 2010. He made a a mix as part of our year-end mix series. There's like, well, there's definitely a bunch up there at this point. We've been posting one or two a day on the homepage, freemusicarchive.org, and there's also tags to see more from our curators and from just people who have found some good stuff this year on the Free Music Archive. So if you want to make a mix, you're encouraged to join in. We heard before that from Mochi Pet. Oh, before I forget, did I tell you this is WFMU East Orange, WMFU, Mount Hope, and worldwide on the World Wide Web at WFMU.org. And that this is Glenny 417 in the background with Bixop's Garden Nightlife. Anyway, Mochi Pet before Greg Davis with Pet Destroyer from the totally awesome 2999 series from Pepper Mill Records. Um, PK at the Pepper Mill has been getting very heavily into the bass music lately. And he's also been thinking a lot about the future. Like, you know, 900 years into the future. Trying to picture what things will be like and what things will sound like. And he got a bunch of incredible artists, some of them well-known, like Mochi Pet. Some of them 
not so well known, but all of them great to uh, take part in this contest to envision what the future might look like. And actually, it, it was all inspired by uh, some great, great visual art. That's the sound of me typing. I just want to get you the artist, artist's name. Oh, well, if you go to peppermillrecords.com slash 2999, you'll find a bunch of amazing pieces of art and, uh, and music, beautiful illustrations and sounds conjuring the future like Mochi Pet with Pet Destroyer. Before that, another track that uh, came to us via the Peppermill, though, it was, it was released on this great record label, Stere Optico. Uh, this guy named Fancy Mike with the Death Proof off of Fantastique which is part of Stereoptico's 2x2 series, where they get a couple of different artists to each contribute two tracks, and then they release it as a free download. And uh, this one was Fancy Mike. We heard the song Death Proof, and also a couple tracks from Raw Styles. Fancy Mike originally from Oh Well I think he's based out of Los Angeles Right now Ross Isles out of Miami Weird new music from Chicago's Chandeliers Part of this Chicago sound that I'm personally very Very into Chandeliers played live on my show Uh And They've also got a forthcoming split with Mahjong, fellow Chicago sort of future dance, funk, weird, retro-ish stuff. Crazy rhythms. So they've got a forthcoming split coming out in February 2011. Mahjong and Chandeliers do on Capture Records. Formerly HB8, whatever. You know that label that looks like a Capture. EP is called the Roulette EP, and there are actually three tracks up now. Chandeliers just posted yesterday, and we heard Candy Apple. More if you follow the link in the playlist to the show. We heard from Schizoid Bass prior to that with a tree story off of Free Jukebox on Dog-Eared Music. Hat tip to the Headphonica net label for tipping us off to this double bass experimentation. It's good, good stuff. Switch in the background music now to Uyutna, Super Magic Dark Rainbow. Before Schizoid Bass, we heard from Music for Your Plants. What do they call themselves? Um, a Threesome Voyage Expedition Adventure Band from Tallinn, Estonia. And this is from their free EP. Really, really good stuff. The song Air... Choreo. Jovenes y Sexies before that with El Reloj, El Tiempo, Se Nos Va, Maria y Jose remix, and that's from 
the Remix EP, released this year on Pony Republic, great net label, collective out of Mexico. The Remix EP companion to the Hovanesi Sexy's 2008 EP Bruno. I guess Hovanesi Sexy is originally from Venezuela, hung out in Mexico, met up with the Pony Republic people, and according to the uh, blog post where they posted this album, because it's just kind of taken off with the net label side of things, they're turning into something bigger. We don't know what yet, though. We heard from my mind out of Philadelphia with the new man, my life coach, He Shine. It's off of Pathmasher. My mind share a bunch of music on their, uh, their blog, darkchocolatechips.net. And we also heard from them originally on the Disadelphia compilation of free music from the Philadelphia label Badmaster, who also introduced us to... Well, this compilation included King Kong, Ding Dong, Women, Reading Rainbow, Hot Guts, U.S. Girls, Mincemeter 10-Speed, Drums Like Machine Guns. All of these bands, at least to me, are like... awesome. This compilation originally released in 2009, when I didn't know... I didn't know all those bands at that point. So thanks, Badmaster, and thanks, My Mind, for sharing Pathmasher. At the top of that set, we heard from Single Bullet Theory with Rocker's Night Out. And if you would like to read more about their struggles with the major label music industry in the 1980s that just totally crushed their souls, I did a blog post. You can read more. Follow the link. Or Google Single Bullet Theory, 77 DIY Power Pop versus the 80s New Wave Music Industry. And a big thanks to the Artifacts slash Whiteclept label slash collective for sharing this and so much incredible music via the Free Music Archive. And a big thanks to Paul Booten for joining to talk about his article, The Age of Music Piracy is Officially Over. Thanks to you all for commenting and uh, chiming in. It's, it's a, it's just what I hoped would happen. Some some interesting discussion taking place on the comments, and that uh, that whole section of my program will be available as a downloadable MP3 because all this music is pod safe. that that podcast thing that I do where I chop out this radio show and make an mp3 out of it and feed it into iTunes and stuff it's called gray area all right let's get back into the music definitely here talks cheap WFMU (laughs) 